Ain't gonna matter no way. I didn't even have a Facebook set, so we'll be a second anyway. Make sure everybody can watch. All right, turn to 264 if you haven't turned there already. He is able to deliver these. Let's sing. Is the grass that seen through the ages come? Is the grandest seen for a mortal song? Is the grandest seen that the world ever sung? Our God is able to deliver thee. Mm-hmm. She hit 
We were talking sometimes. Just just got three. You remember that, buddy? That woman. Well, I didn't see her. How did I get on? Oh. And anyway, hit the hit the pole. That that big old contempt had me just to shake it. And uh, she clipped her. She clipped the uh, the pole. Good. And uh, come right across that yard on the corner and uh, hit the tree. Oh, mercy sake. Oh, my God. Oh, mercy sake. 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 Oh, He's doing okay. But y'all keep him in your prayers. He just, he just, he look like he's older than me. Look the way he looks. So this took a toll on him. So just pray for him. He needs, he needs lots of prayer. Um, anything else before we go to the Lord's prayer tonight? Well, let's, uh, y'all remember, y'all remember Stephanie? She's still trying to get over this mess. She's about to get over it, but we're down to the nitty gritty of it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Brother Byron, lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight just thanking you for the opportunity we have to be in your house, to study your word and work right there, Lord. We ask a special prayer for those that are sick. Can't be with us tonight, there, Lord. We have several out that we mentioned here tonight in our church service. Yes. Take care of each one individually and, and give them comfort in the place of love. We ask to be with those that walked love ones this week. Take care of them and lift them up and comfort them, there, Lord. We ask you to go with us now that you lead God and protect us. Take this offering and, and help us to use it for our missions. Yes. Thank you, God. We ask all to do something to pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, more about 
All right, turn to 249. 249. <clears throat> Maybe the shortest song service we've ever had. <laughs> I'll drag it out. I can do everything else. Don't worry. Start a different key. I'm sorry. I got a. I'm figured out real quick. That's gonna mess me up. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I've wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Tonight. 
I was trying to think of a song really that kind of went along with the message, and and uh, halfway through it, there was a verse that made me think of the song, so I said, well, I'll just sing it tonight.
can certainly testify that I've, I've had an unseen hand guide me throughout my life. I've made a total wreck by now. I've made some wrecks, but I, I hadn't made a fatal wreck yet, praise God. And, and he's been good to me. Amen. He's been good to you too, hasn't he? Amen. Proverbs chapter 11 tonight. Proverbs chapter 11. I'm not going to tell you how many verses because I really don't know. We'll just go until we find a stopping place tonight and we'll cut it off there and we'll pick up next week. Chapter 11 tonight. And again, we're still in the one-liners. We will be up until we get into the 20s, chapter 20s and so forth. Like 23 is where this runs through where you, you know, the this is this, but the this is this. You know, you get the contrast on every verse. So that's kind of what we're what we're looking at so proverbs 11 and we're gonna we're gonna shoot we're gonna shoot well i i I overshot the runway i shot for verse 14 but i don't think we'll get anywhere near that tonight but we're gonna go ahead and and get started i won't i won't read we'll just pray and we'll get right into the message all right let's go to the lord in prayer tonight father i thank you tonight thank you for your word i thank you lord for for the truth father i'm thankful that i can come to you and study your word lord every piece of it's good I never have to pick through to, to get the good stuff because it's all good stuff. And, Lord, I pray that as we come to this, this chapter tonight, chapter 11, Father, you're going to continually give us guidance, Lord, as to how to be a success and not how to be a failure, how to how to walk in your word and not fall into the path of the wicked. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that, uh, Lord, folks here tonight will pay attention and take heed, and, Lord, take anything we can get from it and learn from it. And, Lord, take these nuggets of wisdom and hide them away. In our heart, Lord, that so when we're able to share them with somebody who's in desperate need, Lord, that we'll be we'll be prompted by the Spirit of God to do so. And Lord, if we can use them and apply them in our own lives now, Lord, may we make good use of them. But Father, help us realize that we're just we're just storehouses for you, Lord. We're conduit for you to express your love, your mercy, and your grace through to, to people that don't know you yet. And Father, help us to understand everything we talk about tonight. It's not just for us; it's for all those around us. Help us to be good stewards of your wisdom tonight. Help the, Lord, I pray the Holy Ghost to help our understanding, open our, our hearts and minds, and help us to make application tonight. Lord, give honor and glory to the one who deserves it all, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we give you all the thanks tonight for all of it in his name. Amen. All right. Let's, let's go ahead and just dig right on off, off into it tonight. Chapter 11, verse 1, Solomon said, he writes, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. <clears throat> False weight is an abomination unto the Lord. I want you to start by, by addressing the word abomination so that we understand what that word means. I know most of us do, but there may be somebody that doesn't, or there may be somebody listening in tonight that doesn't. That word an abomination, you see it several times through the word of God in relation to different things. But uh, he says it's an, uh, a false balance is an abomination. Abomination is an object of extreme hatred or detesting. That's the kind of thing, if you look at it, turns you wrong side out. Something, I mean, it either turns you wrong side out or it makes you fight mad or makes you want to vomit or makes you want to run off or something. You just can't bear to look at it. It just goes all over you. God looks down and he sees dishonesty that way. 
He sees somebody being dishonest and ripping off somebody else, and it burns God up. He cannot stand it. It makes him sick. By the way, sodomy does the same thing. God says that about the sodomites. God says that about those that shed innocent blood. Those things God hates, and those things are abominations to him. And, and, and we've we got to understand how serious this matter is because God puts, God puts a false balance up there with those things. So what is he saying? He's saying dishonest scales, dishonest weights are an abomination. I hate dishonesty. I hate people that are dishonest. I don't hate them personally, but I hate the act of being dishonest. I hate for somebody to lie to me. Don't you? I mean, what a, what a horrible feeling to find out you've been lied to. So you know why it's so bad? It's so bad because it creates victims. It hurts people. You know, I, I've trusted people before and got ripped off. I've lost money because people weren't honest with me. They told me they were going to do something, and then once I entered into it with them, they changed their, their plans or they or they, they just disappeared. I've had that happen to me. I, I, not very many times. I got kind of got wary of it after a while. But, but you know, people take advantage of you. I met people in my life who've been cheated out of everything they've got, lost their whole life savings because some smooth-talking con artist talked them out of something. Uh, you know, people get robbed daily by these people that get on their computers and hack into their files and things, and people that get on the Internet and, and uh, on, uh, people all day long on Facebook and all these other things posing to somebody they're not trying to get in and trying somebody's information uh, people calling up on the telephone pretending to be the, the IRS. Uh, you got 45 minutes to go get a bank card and this, that, and the other, uh, some shopping card so we can get this money in here before the, IR, the sheriff department shows up and takes you to jail. I mean, those kind of scams going all day long. And people are dishonest all over the place. And you know what? God hates that mess. He hates it so much, he says it makes him sick. So angry, God said it just makes me sick. He says there in verse 1 that it's that false balance. Again, it refers to people who cheat others in the marketplace. They take advantage of somebody. <clears throat> what did T.D. Barnum say? A sucker's born every minute? You know why I see T.D. Barnum was somebody who took advantage of people? That's why he was saying that. He was telling off on himself. He was, a, he was a dishonest person. If he could swindle you, he would. That's what he was saying. He's a carny. He run a circus. What do you expect out of him? I mean, he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a judge, but uh, but you know he was he was scamming people. You know, a little song and dance will take you money. I mean, we, they're suckers. They'll come in here and they'll, they'll believe it. They'll believe this two headed thing back here is real or whatever. You know, suckers are born every minute. But but again, these are people that cheat people. That we're talking about, and they might not cheat them much. I mean, just a couple pennies here and a couple pennies there. You know what that adds up over time, doesn't it? You don't have to cheat everybody much. You cheat everybody little. You don't have to cheat anybody big. Again, you're cheating everybody. I found out the electric company was doing that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was trying to preach against them tonight, but I found out the electric company over in Milwaukee County was doing that to us. But, you know, God don't like people that just rounds it up or guesses. God wants fair balance. You know, I mean, I... I was in Aldi the other day, and I, 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 well, I'm telling you this, it makes no difference in the sermon, I thought I'd tell you. I'll tell you, I'm stretching this out. But, but I was in Aldi the other day, and what was I buying? I was buying some Roma tomatoes, and I carried it up the front, and this little girl working in there, I could tell she ain't been in there very long, because I scanned them, and she, I saw the deal, and it said, Romaine lettuce hearts. And I said, hold on a minute. 
It was three forty nine. I probably had a dollar and a half worth of tomatoes. This was three forty nine. Come up on the screen. I said, "Ma'am, I said uh, there's a problem here. Those aren't romaine hearts. I said those are Roma tomatoes." And she she pulled up her piece of paper and she showed me the line. It says right there. It says Roma hearts. A romaine hearts. I said it may say that all day long, but romaine hearts are green. These are red tomatoes. They're not the same thing. She just kept arguing. I said, "Okay, whatever." You know, I'd, bet, I'd rather do that than stand there and get in an argument with somebody over over a dollar and a half. But, you know, people, again, people don't care about facts and figures anymore, it seems like, in a lot of places. They'll cheat you anywhere they can. And God God has a problem. You know, everybody else may be doing it, but that don't mean you and I need to do it. You know, we live in a world where people cheat everybody. That's what I'm getting to. And we may be around cheats all day long, but God's people need to be careful that we do things right and we handle our business accordingly. Because the Bible says a just weight is God's delight. He loves people that do things honestly to the degree that God condemns the dishonest who defraud people. The same degree, he has a delight in just and fair business practices. God loves it when people are fair. <laughs> you know, I went to I went to do some business here a while back. I went to I had some some old coins I was going to uh, trade in and, and get the value of. I went to this couple of Church of Christ fellows over in Paris. I went to them. I knew good and well they's going to do me right because they're scared they lose their salvation. They don't do somebody right. So I, I, I knew I was going to be all right with them. But uh, you know, we even though we know we can't lose our salvation, that doesn't that doesn't exempt us from doing right. It doesn't give us a license to sin. Well, Doctor Bob Jones uh, Senior summed it up like this. He said, "Do right if the stars fall. Do right, no matter what happens. You still do right." Don't blame it on anything. Nothing's a good excuse to do wrong. You know, in the in the law of Moses, God clearly commanded people to have honest scales. In Leviticus nineteen, thirty five and thirty six, he said, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, which means measuring, in weight or in measure. In he said, just balances, just weights, and just ephah. And adjust him, those are measurements, shall you have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16, he said, Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights. In other words, one that says that says 10 weighs 9. One, one that says 10 it weighs 10. You, you make sure they, they're all the same. He said, And great and small. And thou shalt not have in thine house diverse measures, a great and a small but thou shalt have perfect and just weight. A perfect and a just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. God takes that pretty serious. He says, if you want to live a long time, you treat people fairly, and you do right. For all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. There it is again. Makes God plumb mad and sick in his stomach to look at that. When pride cometh, Oh, that's our next one. Never mind. Verse 2. <laughs> Jump right into it like I was preaching that. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. So when somebody gets full of pride or proud, shame is going to come on them. But you know, that's kind of funny because the proud man a proud woman, what do they fear more than anything else? They fear somebody making them feel ashamed. Their greatest fear is going to come on them, God says. 
you know, and they cultivate shame and disgrace for themselves by their life. So they're going to shoot themselves in the foot no matter what they do. God is saying. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. But wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. That's why he can't get nowhere. But he giveth grace unto the humble. God, God, God will take care of somebody who's humble. God will make sure that person is, is, is even if it don't, even if everybody else don't like everything working out for them, God give them peace in their heart that other people can't see. First Peter five five says, likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed, be clothed with humility. There's no room for pride if you're clothed in humility. That means it surrounds you. There ain't no pride sticking out nowhere. It covers all that. And he says, God resisteth the proud. He giveth grace to the humble. Again, it matters that we are humble before the Lord. With humility is wisdom. Humility is an important foundation for true wisdom. And until a person humbles himself before God, you can't teach him nothing. Somebody that thinks they know everything, you can't teach them a doggone thing. Y'all know that. You've raised kids. Amen? You can't teach you can't put nothing in there until it opens up, right? You know, it, it, it's just the way it is, you know. But life has a funny way, and it always happens once they get out on their own. Life has a funny way of exposing your flaws and popping your bubble of vanity, and you pretty, fi- pretty quick you find out, no, I'm not all that. I thought I was, but I'm not. You learn hard lessons that pride goeth before destruction. Learning that lesson can become a turning point for somebody, though, which they intentionally stop focusing on themselves when that balloon gets popped and they realize, oh, and I'm I'm seeing that I'm seeing that in some of mine when they finally realizing, hey, everybody, the thing they told me wasn't wrong. It's amazing. I love seeing that revelation take place in, in in young people's lives when they start waking up and realizing, hey, them people that that, that I thought hated me really loved me. You know, it's amazing. But uh, but as we adopt a humble spirit before God and man, see, it ain't just before God. I mean, what you know, our, as our relationship with God grows and the wisdom of God is in, embedded in us, we can't help. But whatever's in you is going to come out. You know, if a man sits there and studies politics all day long, all day sit and watch TV all day long, when he goes out in public, all he's going to do is talk politics all day long. It's true. If all you study is the weather, all you're going to talk about is the weather. But if all you study is the Lord, you know what? You get out in public, you can talk about the Lord. Whatever's in you is going to come out. Amen? So I suggest you put some wisdom down in you so when you get around somebody, you're a benefit to them instead of a, uh, a hindrance. So anyway, self-importance leads to stumbling. We're talking about being humble. When we think we're full of, we, we think we're full of wisdom and think we're full of knowledge, I mean, we think we're the sum of it, man, we'll... God will knock us flat and show us we're not. Kick our legs right out from under us. <laughs> but when we stop focusing on ourselves and we focus on glorifying God and make that the, the, the purpose of our life, glorify, bringing glory to him and, and trying to meet the needs of others around us, when we spend our time doing that, it'll give us the perspective that God wants us to have. That truly will. You'll, you'll begin to see, you know, 
again, I'm nothing without God, and everything I have that's any good comes from God, and when I receive those things that are good from God, I need to pass those things on to others that need them, and God will keep handing me loads of good stuff, and I keep handing them to others, and, and you know, you say, well, now all you're doing is giving away everything you're getting, but I'm getting a habit in the meantime, you see? It's mine while it's passing through, amen? I can be a rich man just passing things to other people. <laughs> Notice in our verse the word lowly. Let me read the verse again. Verse 2 there. And pride cometh and cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Lowly is a rare word in the Bible. It's only found six times in the Word of God. And lowly, here's what it, it describes. It describes the obedient spirit that is the opposite of insubordination. The lowly person is one who's ready to do whatever's, whatever's need, needed all the time. A butler would have a lowly spirit. A, a, a maid would have a lowly spirit. Someone who waits on somebody, a waiter, is, is supposed to have a lowly spirit. A waitress, they should be trying to please and trying to help and always seeking to please. The customer is always right. You know what they say? So you're supposed to do whatever's needed to make that customer happy. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be with God. And when we're at, we act that way with God, then, then we're being lowly. We're not being high-minded. We're being the opposite of that. We're being, we're saying, I'm his servant. I'm his child. I, I'm here for him, and, and he takes care of me. So that, that's what God is describing. That's what kind of an attitude he wants his children to have. Uh, Adam Clark said, the humble man looks for nothing but justice. He just wants things to be right. He has the worst opinion of himself. He knows he ain't nothing. Right? Everybody else may think he's something, but he knows better. He he expects nothing in the way of commendation and praise. He's not expecting anybody to brag on him. And he can never he can never be dis, disappointed in anything but somebody bragging on him. That's disappointing. Why? Because he don't expect it and he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't desire it. Don't brag on me. Brag on Jesus. That man, the man that's lowly, he don't want no plaque on the wall. He don't want nobody having a day and honoring him. He just wants to serve God, and when he gets to heaven and gets to the throne of God, that's where the that's where the reward comes. That's what it means to be lowly. <clears throat> Verse 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the transgressors shall destroy them. <clears throat> the, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. That's simple. Man or woman who lives with integrity, and integrity, I look up the definition, there's, it's kind of the same thing as character. It's, it's doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Integrity. Uh, you know, paying off a debt that, you, that, that somebody's done forgotten. That's integrity. Uh, person who lives with integrity. They live a trustworthy life that's lived without shame or secrets. That person is recognized as upright, and they'll have their integrity to guide them through their life. That's what the Bible's teaching us there. But the other half of that, the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The false and crooked ways of those who are unfaithful will bring those who practice them to to, to destruction. Uh, the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy. According to Daniel Schaefer in his book, 
dancing with a shadow, the Eskimos devised a way of killing off wolves. They planted a knife in the ice with the handle buried down in it, and they put chunks of uh, with a fresh, uh, so they stuck the handle of the meat, uh, the knife down in the, in the ice with the handles, with the blade sticking up, and they stuck chunks of meat down on the blade. And so these wolves would come, and, and they'd find these chunks of meat sticking up out of the ice, and they'd smell the blood. They'd, they'd come to eat it, and so they'd start licking at it and licking at it and licking at it, and eventually they'd end up slicing their tongues. And then they, they'd keep licking at it, trying to eat it and keep cutting their tongues until they cut the tongues so bad they'd bleed out. Licking, they'd end up licking their own blood and swallowing their own blood till they died. I mean, that sounds horrible, but that's... You see, that's what—that's kind of what what God is saying. The perversity of the unfaithful will destroy him. The wicked man who's perverse, his ways is going to catch up to him in the long run, and he's going. His own perversion is going to end up getting him. That 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 idea is is, is promoted all through this past, all through this uh, chapter. Verse four: Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Riches don't profit you when it comes your day to die. They ain't going to do a thing for you. And you know what? Ain't nobody going to be able to stand and kneel before oh, They'll all kneel before the Lord. But ain't a single one of them going to kneel before the Lord at the great white throne judgment and say, God, i got a trailer full of money if you'll let me out of this. That ain't going to work. God don't need nobody's money. But let me, let me read you this. Larry Ellison. I don't know if you know that name or not, probably not. He's the CEO of Oracle, which is a huge company, and he's the fifth richest person in the world. He has a net worth of $43 billion, and he hates death. This idea, he says in his book, that somebody can be here and just vanish and not be there doesn't resonate with him. So instead, he created the Ellison Foundation, which is dedicated to ending mortality. It gives out more than $40 million a year to fund research. <clears throat> this person who's writing this notes that Ellison's biographer, Mark Wilson, believes Ellison sees death as just another kind of corporate opponent he can outfox. He's going to figure out a way to live forever. He's going to buy his way into living forever somehow. There's a bunch of them like that. I can tell you there's a bunch of multi-billionaires right now who are working on a way to live forever. They're trying to do it through cloning. That's what the whole cloning thing was all about. They wanted to clone people so they could say, hey, i got a spare body over here. I can take a liver out of it if I need it, so I can just go and drink all I want to. I ain't got to worry about it. If I get cirrhosis of the liver, I just have surgery and get it out of my clone. Uh, that's what that whole idea is about. There's also this idea of uh, we're going to make these these these, uh, these electronic technological bodies that we'll be able to download our memory bank into and live in these bodies and live forever. That stuff's talked about, too. <clears throat> Again, God said, what? Riches do not profit in the day around. All their plans are going to come to naught. None of them is going to work. Now, do I believe that somehow or another they're going to merge technology with human body? Absolutely. They're already doing it. They're already doing it. Uh, Elon Musk, who so many people think so great, who has Tesla Corporation, he's, he's I've told you all, maybe I've told you all this, but he, they've come up with a chip now that they're about to bring out to the public that, say, somebody's paralyzed, they've got severed spine. Well, they put a chip in up here, and they put a chip down below your severed spine, and all of a sudden you can walk again. And, and they're, they're saying this is just a remarkable technology. 
But once you have that in you, you're also hooked up to the Internet, and anybody can do anything they want to you. There's a lot of spooky things going along with that. But what I'm trying to say is all those plans, no matter what they are, are not gonna, they're not going to be successful because God says it don't, it don't work. He says righteousness delivereth from death. Righteousness delivereth from death. Well, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, Christ's righteousness has delivered me from death. His blood delivered me from death. Because of that, uh, the Bible tells me, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But it also tells me this, that while we're down here, we ought to use our present earthly wealth to store up treasure in heaven instead of trying to store it up down here to try to live forever. Uh, you know, so much good could be done with $40 million for the cause of Christ to throw it in the hole for nothing, like that fellow's doing. You know, the Bible says in Luke 12, Jesus said in verse 33 and 34, sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old and treasure, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth, why is he saying that? Because down here, all those things are gonna—they're either gonna—they're either gonna wear out, somebody's gonna steal it, or, or it's gonna rot. That's what God's saying. He's saying where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, if I'm laying up treasure in heaven, that's where my heart's gonna be, and that's where I'm gonna be looking forward to. And I'm not gonna get so happy and accustomed down here that I forget about where I'm headed. I can't be happy down here because this is not my home. When I was a little kid, I didn't understand that. When I was in my 20s, I didn't understand that. I don't, really don't think I understood that in my 30s. But as I've gotten older and as I've lost more people, they've gone on home. I understand it now. And I do understand what the, the phrase homesick for heaven means. And I, and I feel, though, every day that I'm homesick for heaven, I look forward to going home. I'm not trying to rush, hurry up and die, but I'm telling you, I'm not. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm ready to, I'm ready to be with the Lord, amen, because that's going to be so much better than this was. <clears throat> but the Bible tells us in, in 1 Timothy 4.8, it tells us that bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness, that's of course a contrast. He's saying exercising all day ain't going to do much for you, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Living for God, living the kind of life that God's pleased with is good for all things, having promise of that, the life that is that now is, in other words, so living godly will bless you in the life now and that which is to come. So it, it does you double the benefit of any exercise and health-conscious stuff that you do down here right now. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. I think, first of all, we need to address that word perfect. <clears throat> the word perfect there does not mean without sin. The only time you see the, anything referring to perfect, and now I'm not even sure that the word perfect, the perfect word perfect does not describe the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I don't think it does in any way. But the only way that it would mean that is if it did describe the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> or describe the holiness of God because he is perfect. But, but, we're never described that way. What what it means is it means whole. It means complete. It means sound. We see a little little baby boy and you know, he's still hanging on to mama's coattails, still crying if he falls down. We say he he ain't finished. 
he still got a ways to go. He got to get hairy legs and whiskers and not want to hang around mama's coattails anymore. He got to get where he looks more like his daddy than he does a little kid. And when we do, we say, hey, he's grown. Well, he's still going to continue to grow until he becomes an old man. But he's grown as far as we say as grown goes because we mean he's He's, he's gained everything it takes to be a grown man. He's mature. He's whole in the sense that he's grown, right? That's exactly the idea that God is putting across here. He's saying that we are, we are whole or complete or sound as a, as a Christian. We're spiritually mature. And the Bible says that person who's spiritually mature finds relief and the confidence that God's guiding eye is on them. That God is that God is directing their way. That's the reason I sang that song earlier. There's an unseen hand to me that guy that leads through ways I cannot see. While traveling or traveling through this world of woe, this hand still leads me as I go. What, what, what hand? That's the hand of God. The righteousness of the perfect. I have no righteousness. It's God that does his work in me. And it's him that guides me. And that's what that verse, that verse is saying there, the same thing that song is saying, that, that it's God that's leading and guiding me through everything that I go through. But he says on the second half of that, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. <clears throat> Y'all heard that expression, live by the sword, die by the sword. <clears throat> See, God doesn't even have to, God didn't even have to specially intervene in the fall of the wicked. Because they do it so good on their own. God didn't even have to <coughs> intervene hardly. I know everybody in here remembers the name Bonnie and Clyde. Right? Used in Africa, you remember the name Bonnie and Clyde, right? <laughs> but they were famous outlaws of the Great Depression era. And, you know, I mean, they, they got, became notorious in the days of newspapers and no internet. Everybody across America knew who they were. And again, there was people rooting for them, even. It was people. Listen, I'm I'm told that when when they were when they were killed, that they were, the bodies were still warm. There was people down there trying. There was one guy pulled out a pocket knife and tried to saw Clyde Barrow's ear off to take home for a souvenir, and another guy had his shooting finger, his trigger finger, trying to cut it off when the law got down there and stopped him. And, a, and somebody done going around to the other side and cut off some of Bonnie's hair and cut off part of her dress trying to take souvenirs. I mean, I don't want a souvenir of somebody like that, but. They were so famous, and y'all know the story. I mean, they they robbed. They didn't just rob banks. They just robbed banks. That'd been one thing. They were robbing little mom and pop grocery stores and funeral homes and everywhere they could rob, trying to uh, rob little places. And, and they weren't robbing hoods. They they were stealing from the poor. And so you know they made it. They made it down into Louisiana and spent the night and had a party down there at somebody's ranch. And and uh, they knew that they were going to be coming through the next morning. So you know the lawmen hid out in the woods and they and they they. Got a friend of theirs, dad, to stand by the side of the road by his car, pretend like he was broke down. And, and uh, about 9 a.m. on May 23rd, the police, they saw Clyde's stolen Ford V8 speeding down the road. They saw this fellow Methvin, his dad, parked on the side of the road, and they, they took the bait, and they pulled over, and they was going to ask him if he needed help. And before they had time to get out of the car, shot rang out, and Clyde was killed instantly by a shot to the head, one of the cops said they heard Bonnie scream as she realized she that he'd been hit, and they just kept firing. They fired 130 rounds into that car. It took 129 to kill Bonnie. 
one to kill Clyde, 129 to kill Bonnie. They just kept firing and kept firing and kept firing, emptied every bit of what they had. And by the time the smoke cleared, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow were dead. Bonnie was 23 and Clyde was 24. Now, I read you all that to tell you this. While she was imprisoned in 1932, after a failed hardware store burglary, she penned a collection of, of, of ten poems that she entitled Poetry from Life's Other Side. It included one called The Story of Suicide Sal, a poem about an innocent country girl who was lured by her boyfriend into a life of crime. Two weeks before her death, Bonnie gave this poem to her mother entitled The Trail's End that finished with this verse. Someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. To a few it'll be grief, the law of relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. The wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Amen. And then verse 6, verse 6 echoes verse 5, and I'll close with this. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Amen. It don't pay. Crime don't pay. Fighting against God don't pay. Living your own life the way you want to does not pay. It only it, it, it only going to last so long, and that's going to come to an end. And I'm going to get in verse 7 if I don't stop here. So we'll just stop here, and we'll pick it up next Wednesday night. All right? Let's stand together. We'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. All right. Mind lead us in prayer. Amen.